0: The views and opinions expressed in Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle, an NC State student-produced news show on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. I'm Owen Trainer. On tonight's episode, you'll hear my interview with Brooke Dickhart. Brooke is the executive director of the Joel Fund, a Wake Forest nonprofit that serves veterans. The Joel Fund recently received a federal grant to implement one of its programs at Walter Reed Medical Center. We talked about that, the Joel Fund's mission, and much more. Afterwards is Elizabeth Esser's interview with Dr. Paul Kalustin, a neurosurgeon and author. Elizabeth talked to him about the effects of stress on college students' cognitive functioning. But first, we have a quick story from the North Carolina News Service. Enjoy!
1: North Carolina is ramping up plans to lease offshore wind energy areas to developers, as the Biden administration expresses support for those efforts. The green light comes one year before a decade-long Trump-era moratorium on offshore development is slated to go into effect on July 1st of next year. Despite the pending moratorium, which includes wind energy, Democratic Congresswoman Deborah Ross of Raleigh says the state is poised to be a leader in offshore power generation and manufacturing. And with a bipartisan effort, in our delegation to seek the ability to harness the best offshore wind in the country and associated research and technology that will go with it that will benefit North Carolina for decades to come. Earlier this year, Ross sent a letter signed by a bipartisan group of North Carolina lawmakers urging the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management to hold lease sales for two of the state's existing wind energy areas in federal waters off the coast of Wilmington. It's unlikely the Trump moratorium on offshore development would be overturned in such a divided Congress. But Jamie Simmons of the Southeastern Wind Coalition says the most recent move is a sign the Biden administration is willing to take prompt action before the moratorium begins.
2: we in a unique position here in North Carolina because we already have what's called wind energy areas
3: identified.
2: It gives a signal to those manufacturers. It gives them the certainty that they
1: need to start making those investments. Director of North Carolina Political Affairs for the Environmental Defense Fund, David Kelly, points out the state already has a reputation as a clean energy leader and a hub for clean tech.
0: It's reassuring to know that our state's leaders in Congress recognize the opportunity that offshore wind, emerging as an industry in the United States, offers, and that they're taking action to make sure North Carolina is well-positioned to compete for wind energy jobs.
1: Offshore wind is expected to create a $70 billion supply chain and tens of thousands of new jobs in the United States by 2030. For North Carolina News Service, I'm Nadia Ramlagan.
4: This is Owen, trainer with WKNC eighty-eight point one. I'm the Triangle, and I'm
0: here with Brooke Dickhart, the executive director of the Joel Fund, a veteran song based in Lake Forest. Brooke, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, to start, would you mind telling us a little bit about what the Joel Fund does?
2: Absolutely. So the Joel Fund helps connect veterans to their communities. We do this uh, through three main programs. We have a resource connection where we will work one-on-one with veterans and their family members to connect them to the services that they're looking for. Um, We have Operation Art, which is our um, art classes for veterans and their family members. And then um, Operation Furnish, which is a furniture program locally where we can find um, gently used donated items for veterans in need.
0: And I've heard that you have a new program of expressive writing classes as part of Operation Art. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely, so this program um, was, Something that I started in honor of my dad because I, um, after he passed away, I found sheets of yellow legal paper where he had tried to write his story. And I figured if he had trouble doing it, then others probably do also. And so we started working with with an amazing local writer um, to develop a class. We also worked with a couple of um, veterans from the Vietnam Veterans of America to develop this class. And we launched it a little over a year ago um, and it has been a very successful program for us.
0: And how have the veterans and their families who have taken the course responded? Um, Did they find it helpful?
2: Absolutely. Um, They even asked us to bring in a therapist for the class. So our classes, we, we often say that they're, it's community therapeutic arts. We're not offering art therapy. However, with writing, that can trigger a lot of emotions and that sort of thing. And the the veterans who helped us develop the curriculum really wanted there to be a therapist um, as a safety net in the class so that if they were writing about their time in the service, that they could do it in a safe and um, secure environment. And so because of those um, things that we have in place, they have really loved the class and have been able to write freely and feel that they can do it safely.
0: And you recently received a uh, grant support for the program. Well, what does that enable you to do? Anything new?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, so we just recently um, were selected from a national search to do a writing program at Walter Reed uh, Medical Military or Military Medical Center out of Bethesda, Maryland to bring our writing program to their employee wellness um, program. So we work with um, people who work in the hospital. Some of them are veterans. They are all caregivers because of the population that they serve. We've even had a couple active duty soldiers who called in from overseas. You know, the, the technology that we have with um, virtual you know, conference calls and that sort of thing has really been our silver lining story because we can now reach more veterans and family members across the world because of this technology. It doesn't have to just be centered to our area. Um, and that has enabled us to, to take our writing program and expand it and um, bring it to the, the people at Walter Reed, which has been amazing.
0: Then what was the transition between Wake Forest and Walter Reed like? Was there any kind of new challenges that you encountered?
2: Oh, yes, for sure. It's a, it's a much different um, dynamic when you're uh, offering a writing class for people who work together. Um, and in the military, you know, there's a hierarchy, hierarchy. So there's a lot of considerations that we did not anticipate that we've had to navigate um, but they have renewed our contract, and um, so we're working through all that with Walter Reed, and their it's their program is called Creative Forces. Um, Creative Forces is art therapy that is offered. I think it's um, ten sites across the country, on uh, bases, and then at Walter Reed, and so we've been working with the with the folks at Creative Forces and Walter Reed to make sure that the program is just right for, their, for the students that we are getting from them.
0: And then the instructor assigns um, writing prompts. Uh, what are these like? And can you give us uh, some examples of what some of them have been?
2: So the, the writing prompts vary every um, week and every class. And that is based on who's in the class and you know, what's going on um, around us during the time. Um, But one example that I can give you that was for this week was describe in vivid language someone you deeply cared for who served our country and and who is no longer with us. So that was their writing prompt heading into Memorial Day weekend.
0: And if you don't mind uh, telling viewers, uh, what kind of stuff, if you know, did uh, some of the veterans write for that one?
2: That I haven't seen yet, actually. Um, they they will be working on it for, um, actually today, they have class today. So I haven't seen the writing yet.
0: And um, did COVID kind of create any unique uh, mental health-related challenges uh, for the veterans in your programs? And did you have to adjust um, any of them at all?
2: Absolutely. Um, in fact, it was a very scary time for us as an organization that serves veterans. So many of the veterans that we work with come to us as direct referrals from the rec therapy department at the VA. Um, So a lot of them are working through some mental illness and isolation is not a great thing for that population. And so we had to pivot immediately and figure out how to continue to serve them. And because one aspect of our classes is creating this sense of community and connecting veterans and family members with their peers we knew we needed to continue to bring that same feeling to these men and women it's not just a class we often say that art is just the vehicle they do leave our classes learning an amazing skill and they are taught by extremely um, very well-trained individuals but we also mentor our instructors on military culture and how to create this feeling of community and so we had to work very hard to continue to create that online um, it, of course it's not a perfect match but it has still been very effective and um, before the holidays um, there was a group in fact it was one of our writing classes got together and had a, a zoom holiday party um, one class dressed up at Halloween. So we've really been able to still create this this feeling of community even though we are online.
0: And our veterans in the course, um, they're able to kind of share and talk about uh, their writing and their experiences, correct?
2: Yes, um, they do love to share. It's, it's a very um, intimate group. Usually we have around five students um, give or take, you know, one or two more. It depends on, um, you know, the day or the time, but they um, they will always, they have the option to share. If they don't personally wanna share, the instructor will share for them, but there is, there is under no circumstance are they required to share. Um, one thing that we are going to be doing very soon is, um, now that things are starting to open up and we're able to get together in person again, We are planning to do a reading where the people who are in our class can um, meet in person, those who are local and invite family members and friends and they will read their stories that they have written. Um, Such a big part of it is being able to share um, in in all of our classes, whether it's photography or drawing or painting, um, they really take some pride in being able to share what they've created with their family members.
4: Brooke, thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity.
3: I'm Elizabeth Esser with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle. Joining us today is renowned neurosurgeon, author, and speaker, Dr. Paul Kalustian. Dr. Kalustian is a board-certified neurosurgeon and the author of numerous books, including The Young Neurosurgeon, Lessons from My Patients, From the Eyes of a Doctor, and My Surgical Cases Told in Poems. He's here today to discuss stress and how it affects the brain functions of college students. Dr. Kalustian, thank you for joining us today on Eye on the Triangle. To get us started, um, what exactly is stress, and what's going on in our brains when we experience it?
4: Yeah, that's so. That's the that's the million dollar question. Uh, so stress is a essentially a state of being uh, where your brain and and body. Um, communicate in a a certain specific way based on the hormones uh, and neurotransmitters that are secreted uh, at that time. And so we've all experienced it. We've all experienced stress. We all really know what what it is because we've we've been through it. We experience it on a daily basis. And certainly college students uh, um, experience it um, because of everything they're going through with school and others so but it's but it's really a process that is really regulated by the brain itself and there are specific areas that do that and and these areas sec- secrete hormones and neurotransmitters through our bloodstream that then make our other areas of our body realize hmm something's not right. I should feel a certain way, which is stress. So that's what really happens during that stressful moment or moments of our lives.
3: And can stress have lasting effects on our brains and bodies? And if so, what does that look like?
4: Absolutely. Um, and, and once again, you know, similar to what I just said before, uh, we've all experienced it. Uh, we've had moments where uh, let's say we're in a particular situation and we've been in that situation before. So our minds go back to that prior time or times where we've been in that situation. And that makes us nervous and stressed. You know, for example, public speaking, let's say um, you have uh, you gave a talk once and something bad happened. I don't know, maybe someone laughed at you or you said a word wrong or whatever. And so the next time or next few times after that, you're going to always remember that particular event where you had a tough time right so that the the memory center of the brain the hippocampus we call it is super important in this whole stress response and so there are permanent features because obviously years later we remember these episodes way back early on in the past and and so the brain really remembers what had happened in the past so certainly there are permanent aspects to it and and there are actually Genetic components to it, so stress can affect your actual DNA, believe it or not, through uh, a variety of responses. But often, through repeated experiences of stress over time, um, the common thing is, uh, let's say, someone you know, a young child, you know, witnesses um, you know, domestic violence between the parents or some multiple arguments between parents or others. If that happens often. Uh, What has been found is that there's genetic alterations so that that particular child really um, experiences stress a different way if they see that particular episode. And it's based on all these neurotransmitters that are secreted that affect proteins that are expressed on our surfaces of our cells. So certainly there are permanent aspects in many, many ways, as I just mentioned.
3: And college students undergo a lot of stress for a multitude of reasons. Um, are college-aged people differently affected by stress compared to other age groups? Um, And if so, in what ways?
4: Hmm. Well, I think everyone experiences stress differently. And I I don't know if I would break it down by age. And I don't know if there are any specific studies that do that. But I I think the, the process of experiencing stress and handling stress is really a human um trait meaning it probably isn't going to be very very different among all of us we probably all feel somewhat similar uh in in different situations and how we react to that particular stressor in our life um but certainly um You know, I've done a lot of schooling to become a neurosurgeon. I've been in school for a long, long time and then training for a long, long time. Um, That comes with a lot of difficult times. I mean, there are a lot of great times too, but there's a lot of difficult times that certainly um, are stressful. And I remember, you know, studying for finals, midterm exams, uh, just all of that. I mean, I, I'm I am so thankful that's over, but that certainly um, was tough. But you know, I, I want also your audience to know that stress can also be very good. There, there's there's good stress, there's kind of a mediocre or medium level of stress, and then there's uh, toxic stress. So there's, there's really a variety of different types of stress in the body. And so, uh, and I would say that it's actually a very uh, healthy thing to have some stress in our lives because it it actually motivates us to do things we likely wouldn't do if we didn't have this little push or this little heart rate increase, you know, to get us doing these things. But uh, but I think, you know, college students, uh, they they experience uh, a significant amount of stress. um, And I think that, you know, um, most colleges, most universities, have um, environments where, where, where students are able to really tap into, to look for help, to look for methods of de-stressing. Uh, I, I think that's very valuable in, uh, in, in the university setting. Uh, certainly, you know, the places I've went, um, those, those things were present and very helpful. Um, but, um, but I think most of us experience stress quite similarly. So
3: like everyone, um, college students have experienced uh, many new situations um, in the last year due to COVID. Um, you know, We've switched from in-person classes to online learning um, and students have, been, um, have experienced isolation due to social distancing among other things. Um, how have these changes maybe as, um, affected stress levels or uh, mental health as a whole in, in students?
4: significantly increased these these issues I mean uh, and I see it in many of my patients um, I would say almost daily Uh, I can't tell you how many patients I see that uh, that tell me about all the difficult times that they're going through since COVID Uh, and actually I think um, We've, we've, we've coined a, a, a new phrase, post-COVID stress disorder, kind of like a post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's a post-COVID stress disorder. It's really becoming the, the kind of the new theme now uh, among medical pro- providers and psychologists. And I mean, just as you can imagine, Elizabeth, I mean, just, just picture, you know, losing someone close to you and, and you're not able to go to the hospital to see them and they're not doing well and some may pass, you know, just, just, just that situation will imagine that, you know, let's say someone closest to you, you know, how do you handle that? You know, you're just hearing them on the phone, you know, and, you know, and that's, that's just one, one situation. Imagine other types of situations during COVID where people have lost their jobs. They, you know, literally uh, companies have fallen under and, and People have been fired, literally fired, lost their jobs. I know many people where that's happened to. Uh, and, uh, and they have no income, no income source. They have kids, they have grandkids, they have mortgages, et cetera. Imagine that stress. Um, there's so many, so many different situations with COVID where people weren't prepared. Uh, and, and how can you be, you know, this is something out of the blue and, and has really dramatically, unfortunately affected people's lives in such a negative way. Um, and, but like I said, I I think this, this disorder is really very important nowadays, you know, for all providers and psychologists, seeing patients, even nurses, others, um, you're going to see this, um. And It's probably going to be be seen in many many patients for many years to come. It's a very significant problem, um, and it just uh, it is difficult to 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 really deal with. Just given the acuity of of COVID, how it happened just so quickly, so suddenly, um, and and just the psychological component to. To dealing with all of these stresses all at once, I think is is compounding the 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 difficulty of, of really treating treating this. So I think it's it's uh, very valuable to really understand what's going on in people's lives, um, especially as providers, um, to really ha- try and help them the best way we can.
3: Right. Well, absolutely. Um, we've all gone through this um, very traumatic um, experience. Okay. Um, so I guess going off of that, um, we're now at this point where we're sort of transitioning back into normal life. Um, you know, students are returning back to campus, um, this coming semester. Um, do you have any tips on how students can cope with stress as we make this transition?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of healthy ways to, to deal with, with stress in your life. And I know there are a lot of studies uh, identifying uh, exercise uh, as a very, very critical means of de-stressing. And and I won't go into the specific mechanisms of why that that is so, but but certainly you can understand it through exercise. There's a better blood flow throughout the body because the heart is now pumping stronger and our muscles are all squeezing the blood back to the heart. And so there's more, there's more blood supply to important areas of our brain and heart and other parts of our body that, that allow us to, to clear our minds, to have that energy to think beyond the stress and to move forward towards solutions. Uh, so I think exercise is just so, so invaluable. Um, sleeping is, is very critical. Uh, most studies recommend probably about six hours of uninterrupted sleep a day. I think that is fair and valid. Um, sleep is essentially, really, the one of the only ways our body can recharge itself, and that's the way I think of sleep. I think of sleep as kind of like charging your phone or charging, you know, whatever you, you need to charge. It's it's that means of of recharging the system or rebooting the system. Um, and during the course of a of a typical day for a college student and, and others um that they can beat you down so to speak just with all the activities that occur both physically and psychologically you get tired you get beaten down your brain is injured your body's injured and so that sleep is just so valuable uh for those six hours or so to really help the uh, you know those areas of the brain and body just heal uh, so that it can then do the same thing the following day in a in a uh, safe way. Uh, so I think uh sleep is 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 so critical. Um uh obviously uh counseling um there there are and should be at least at at, at most universities I'm sure North Carolina state uh has uh methods of uh seeking help uh psychologically, uh, someone to just speak to, perhaps a counselor, a psychologist, others. Um and um, I, I think that is great. I, I, I don't think there's any negative stigma attached to that. I, I think more people should do that. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're all social beings. We all um, need communication, need social interaction. And so I, I think that's, that's crucial to be able to communicate with someone who's trained to, to help uh, others deal with, with tough situations so that you can then by speaking, work through those problems and have tangible solutions. So I think those are some of the solutions that I would recommend, uh, Elizabeth.
3: Great. Thank you so much. Um, and then I guess, finally, is there anything else that you'd like to add uh, regarding the topic of stress in college students, um, what you're working on or anything else?
4: Well, you know, I am a writer. Um, so I think writing, you know, would be a fantastic way of de-stressing. It's one of the one of the reasons why I have uh, kind of partook in in, uh, in writing is because it really enabled me to to de-stress. Uh, as you can imagine, I just see so many sick, sick patients, gunshot wounds to the head, and assaults to the head and spine, and I have to fix this. and And uh, after a while, after many, many thousands of these cases, I needed to just have an outlet. So I think for me poetry or in writing were my methods of doing that. And it really was super helpful. So I would recommend that, you know, the students uh, in college, university, uh, write. Uh, it could be anything, it could be short poems like haikus, or it could be a memoir of what they've experienced in their life. I'm sure people would love to read about that. And I think through that, you can get these, these emotions out of your system And um, I think that'll help you uh, be a little bit more calm and collected and uh, able to tackle any of the next challenges that come your way.
3: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Kalustin. Um, The work you do is so important, and it was truly a pleasure speaking with you.
4: Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. And that
0: is it for this week's Eye on the Triangle. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, ideas, or would like to get involved with the Eye on the Triangle team, shoot us an email at publicaffairs at wknc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for your regular programming. We'll see you next time.